Welcome back to part two of Madonna at the Movies with Darren Hayes. And I've just played for Darren. This used to be my playground. know who wrote this it's madonna and and shep uh, i'm not sure i don't think tony's got a credit for it although he was involved in the writing but it is a madonna and shep song and they wrote it specifically um for a league of their own um uh, for the movie itself um and they produced it and it was done in the erotica sessions in fact it was the final song they recorded in the erotica sessions but it is a very musical song you know i know what yeah you're that completely that. goes against everything i just thought then yeah because it's in, it to me it sounds like a patrick leonard composition it does indeed and i think there's um because shep um kept a diary which i think was published for the erotica and he does talk about how when they were going to um to record the strings um to get them arranged and record them that him and Madonna were kind of rewriting the song along the way and neither of them really understood chords. And I don't know if he name checks Tony in this, but I suspect that Tony, who is um, more musically literate, was had a hand in this. And I think they did actually change the key in places. And, and I think that's kind of the beauty of it is that they were both kind of musically novices but somehow created... It's a great song. It's a really good song. Oh, it's, it really is. And I hope I make this clear for anyone. I'm a huge fan of Shep and a huge fan of Tony. And believe me, like uh, my own musical experiences, uh, has, they follow similar things. It's actually not never fun when you have two people with the same skill sets. That's what's really fun about... That's the only reason to co-write is to have somebody that does what you can't do. That's why my yeah. band worked. You know, I was in a band with someone that, that really just played keyboards and I, at that point I just sang and it just worked. And um, that's why those um, Shep and Madonna's records are incredible the way they are, especially the way Shep came from, you know, remixing. So he'd have those multi-tracks and then he would reinvent and build the tracks up from, from the beginning. That was fascinating. Um, but that this used to be my playground is fascinating to me because the string arrangement is extraordinary and haunting and um, yeah, it's not weirdly it's not one of my fa- I mean I, I love it because it's it's a great song yeah period yeah. Um, I have some there's some recording techniques that they used in it that I sometimes wish weren't there it's so heavily double tracked or yeah there's yeah. something going on with the lead vocal where it's like it's double tracked but then there's a lot of reverb. And it fits in with, I think, the sound of the Erotica album, but I would love to have heard this like Live to Tell or um, a more bare, exposed vocal, but that's just me being an idiot. <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of the time people don't talk about um, Madonna singing and how they associate it with the producer because, and we might cover this in, in a moment, I think when she works with William Orbit, her vocals are at their very best. And I think he makes them that way. Um, and I think with Shep, it's, I don't want to say it's some of her worst vocals because everyone will be turning off because we know that Erotica is a, is a, a big fan favourite. But they aren't her finest vocal performances. That's kind of what makes it. And, and this used to be my playground is quite bad. And I think if it wasn't double-tracked, you'd probably notice it more. I'm not sure. And I think that's um, okay because that was not the point. You know what I mean? Like it, that's just, at that point, that was not what they were going for. I mean, the whole point of Erotica was 
let's literally make this record in a basement. She'd come from being one of the most commercial stars in the world. And then she chose to just really dig into, um, you know, alternate dance culture and, and that sort of stuff. And when you're working with someone like a Madonna who is so incredibly prepared, I do know that about her. So the the performance or whatever she's going to give you will be the same. But I think if if you're smart and you have the the opportunity to record with somebody like her, if you had your vocal set up and your microphone and the right environment to capture it in its pristine quality, then that's what you get. Yeah. You know, and I think in a lot of those Shep sessions, like you said, she's just singing, they were jamming at the board. It was into a 58. It was not how you would traditionally record a, you know, a, a studio record, but that's kind of what's great about it. Yeah, definitely. It's the, it's the rawness. And I think they, I think I read that they did re-record the vocals again at the last minute. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a great song. It's a really good song. It's kind of lacking hooks for me. You've got that melody on, on the, on the title line as well, but there's the, the hook in it is that string section in the middle, the da da da. That's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it's a very, I mean, it's nostalgic. I know a lot of people that aren't Madonna fans that love that song. A lot of people associate that. Look, I've written a couple of them. Like it's sort of, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. that song that's a memorial song. Yeah. Um, And I kind of put it in that, in that camp. Um, And was that, that was for, right. Okay. So that wasn't for With Honours. That was for. No, this was for A League of uh, Your Own. Your right, Own. Her great own, film. Own. Great, great film. film. Yeah. One of, one of Madonna's best performances as well. Totally. We just watched it recently and she was just a brat. I loved it. It was like, <laughs> I imagine that is the person she is mostly. It was great. Well, it's, it's really funny because I, there's a letter that she wrote. Um, I can't remember who too, but it, it's come out in public to, to someone at the time when she's making that movie and she's saying how it's awful and she hates it and she doesn't have any friends there and it's, you know, really bad time. Um, and then recently on one of her Instagram videos where she's working with Diablo Cody on the movie, she's talking about it and she's saying how great it was and how much she enjoyed it. And and me and my husband were talking about it going, that that's strange. She obviously, you know, has changed her mind. Uh, but we realized that the producer of her new movie – is the person that produced A League of Your Own. So maybe Madonna was <laughs> <laughs> being tactful for once. Who maybe, knows? or maybe it's just that thing of control. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize about being like a lead singer is that the audience can smell fear. Yeah. And you have to be, you have to believe your own hype when you get on the, out on the stage or you'll just crumble. And I think I've had similar experiences. I've never tried to be an actor, but I studied, um, acting and improv for three or four years here in LA as Mm -hmm. a sort of an escape and to push myself out of my comfort zone. And it was terrifying. And it is terrifying because you're not in control. And Mm -hmm. what I think is works for her in that movie is that she is part of an ensemble. She's surrounded by this incredible supporting cast. And for whatever reason, um, she just didn't get to, get to control anything. I imagine the way she was lit, none of it. It was just, yeah. and for, all for the better, I, I think. And she's not the lead in that movie as well, and that possibly works in her favour. She's not carrying the whole movie, because mm-hmm. I think Gina, Gina and Tom Hanks are probably the leads. But, you know, she has a substantial role. Um, uh, yeah, great movie. Well, there we go. On to the next one. <laughs> 
was from the Who's That Girl movie causing a commotion. Okay. What do you think of that one, Darren? Obsessed. <laughs> I knew you would be somehow. The bass line. <laughs> Come on. I mean, just, are you kidding me? Okay, first of all, I have to say one thing, which is, talk about misheard lyrics. There's something... Um, there's something in this song that I've been singing incorrectly for years. I think, so the chorus is, I've got the moves, baby. You've got the notion? Yeah. Emotion. Oh, I think it's notion. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm going to look it up on the internet. Not but it that bugs me means. because I've always sung, I've got the moves, you've got, I've got the moves, baby. You've got the notion. If we got together, we'll be causing a commotion. According to the internet, it's, you've got the motion. Um, but that doesn't quite work for me because you've got commotion. You're yeah. using motion again. So I would be happier yeah. personally on aesthetic level if it was notion. Oh, no, me too. So here's, that's, that's, I think that's my thing with that song was I love this song, but I've always been like, I've got the moves, you've got the motion. If we got together, we'd be a commotion. <laughs> <laughs> Why are but, you daring to criticize Madonna? No, no. <laughs> Listen, this is just one of my favorite Madonna songs ever. My favorite performance of it is in the Who's That Girl tour. Uh, I still, the, the live performance that they broadcast, I think, at the MTV Music Video Awards live from somewhere, and she had that gold jacket on and just. Yeah. No, I'm obsessed. Is that Stephen Bray? It's Stephen Bray, indeed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they did this. So obviously from the Who's That Girl soundtrack, you've got a few Pat Leonard ones and a couple of uh, Stephen Bray ones. I think you've got Causing a Commotion and Can't Stop. Um, Who's That Girl? Massive, massive hit. Not my favorite Madonna song. I mean, I like it, but it's no Causing a Commotion. No, Who's That Girl is, is strange, but uh, in that um, when she sang it on the Rebel Heart Tour, uh, it was very emotional and nostalgic mm. because you, you know, she, here she is all these years later singing about herself, kind of in the way Stevie Nicks does. Like Stevie Nicks has yeah. always just been like, she walks down the stairs and you want to say, can I just ask, is, whenever you say she, is that you? Yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but Madonna, when she says, you know, when you see her say a prayer and kiss your heart goodbye, now mm. for me, that song takes on like, oh, yeah, that's how I felt about you when I first saw you on Top of the Pops. You know, and who, who's that girl? I think I would say the verses are stronger than the chorus as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the chorus is kind of a throwaway. Now you get away with choruses like that. You oh, know, yeah. You have no chorus, <laughs> chorus songs these days, don't you? Exactly. But no, co now causing a commotion. Am I mishearing that baseline? It's pretty much the same baseline as Vogue, isn't it? Doom, 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 doom. So similar notes. Okay. But okay. Um, when I think of Vogue, the bass line, I don't think of that one. I think of boom, 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 But you're right. In the chorus, it has that 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 descending thing. But boom, 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 Different keys, I gather. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, oh my god, I still I look. I can see the twelve inch single right now. I can see the the yellow font and the stripe and the star and i don't know it's great was... shep mixes as well you've got the silver screen mix on there and so the movie good. house mix but do you like it is it one of your uh, i do like it i think at the time i was a bit I, I, yeah i kind of loved the true blue era and then really enjoyed like a prayer but i kind of i wasn't quite getting it around this time i didn't like the look i mean i listen to it now it's great and it's got that stephen bray bridge that is so good the 
Repeat oh it. my god, it's probably one of the best parts about the song. Yeah. yeah I yeah. hope you find what you're looking And it reminds me of the bridge that I love in True Blue as well. It's yeah. the best part of the song and it happens twice. Thank you, Jesus. Like, <laughs> oh my god, just give it to us again. It's, and it happens twice in causing a commotion. You know what I wonder? See, mm. I think I like this song because a lot of the synths and the sounds are a bit reminiscent of the first album. Yes. And it 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 was a little step back. Also, I guess in England that came out when wasn't it just uh, Mel and Kim Fever and um, yeah. P yeah. Stock Act and Waterman? So it might have felt a bit dated because the it, Brit the British were always yeah. a little cooler. Yeah, it did, and her look, I didn't get her look at the time. Mm. It, I was thought, okay, yeah, I like Madonna, but she's lost it. Uh, it's funny, <laughs> actually. We're going to go off on a tangent now, because I was watching um, an MTV documentary uh, last night, actually. Uh, uh-huh. It's 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 one about, you know, celebrating the, the forming of MTV, and this is something we could talk about a long time, but basically there's a period, I think, in about 86, 87, where... British music and American music. And obviously, you know, I'm not dissing Australian music, but I've, I think it's fair to say that British and American were the, the main streams For sure. of music. Yeah. America had been very influenced by British music at the beginning of the 80s with bands like Human League, uh, Eurythmics, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then they kind of went off on their own. And I was not really interested in what Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and Madonna were doing in 87 because I was all about house music and really good pop music coming out of Stockgate and Waterman. I, you know, obviously it all came back together again as we got to the end of the 80s. But I think for me, causing a commotion is in that point. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I'll, to give you um, a reference point, what was fascinating about growing up in Australia is that we've always had that kind of um, mixed identity because being uh, part of the Commonwealth, we had this allegiance to England. And so um, you know, we obviously had that influx of, of British culture and influence, mm-hmm. but we sort of were really like a young America and a lot of our chart music was much more American. And I know that just from being married for 16 years to a British person who mm-hmm. I'll often hear songs on the radio here in America and Richard never heard them. And it's all that period that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating because it reminds me of like the sixties as well, like the way the Rolling Stones, um, you know, there were there was these mu- these R and B movements and things that actually they were kind they kind of started in America, but then they became popular in the UK, and then they then they eventually influenced American music. And sometimes it's the other way around. But those particular periods, like when I think of the Stones in their heyday, and then I mm-hmm. think of house music in the UK, which obviously was very different to Chicago house. But those two periods eventually looped back into American culture. And by the time we catch up with Shep, um, you can hear that, you know, maybe what he was doing was groundbreaking for Americans, but we had heard some of it before. Well, that's really interesting because the Australian music that was doing well in the UK was it at that time. It was In Excess, Midnight Oil, uh, Crowded House. That's all that. Yeah, it's yeah, rock. Mid, mid, mid late 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were getting all that Australian rock over in the UK. Um, we could talk about this forever, couldn't we? <laughs> this is it's, it's it's fascinating. What was also fascinating about this MTV documentary, and this does relate to Madonna slightly, is um, in the UK. Of course, we had Top of the Pops, and I know you got to see Top of the Pops in Australia. You had Countdown as well. Mm-hmm. In America, they didn't really have that one kind of source, that single source of music, until MTV came along. So in Britain, we 
we associated music and image throughout the 70s with glam rock, Roxy Music, David Bowie and stuff like that. And they didn't have that in America because music and, and video didn't go together in the same way. And so Madonna really was kind of quite a unique thing at the time to have an artist, in Amer- an American artist, that was so much about the image. That's probably why she was such a huge success and, you know, fundamental to MTV as well. There's a really great panel that you've probably seen um, from MTV um, and it had rock stars. I think Madonna's definitely on there. Um, mm. It might have, Hall & Oates might have been on the panel. I can't remember, but some other, and then some other sort of older generation rock stars. And it was like they were discussing whether or not an image was important. And it's so funny because the older artists are really angry about <laughs> having to perform, you know, and make these commercials. And Madonna was just so ahead of the time. She was just absolutely aware of, of how at the forefront she was of this new medium and she was just dominating it. And it was around the time of uh, Like a Virgin. If people want to dig that up, it's fascinating. It's this sort of like, it almost looks like an inquest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's people talking about um, on one spectrum saying how they just feel like it's ridiculous that that artists have to make these videos just to be played on TV. Yeah, yeah. And this is why when we talk about a, a beautiful Stephen Sondheim composition like Sooner or Later, we end up talking about her, her hair because, <laughs> <laughs> partly because we're a couple of old gays, but also because, <laughs> because, you know, image is so associated with everything that Madonna did um, and does still. Um, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to an, the next song. From With Honours, 1994, I'll Remember. Do you remember that one, Darren? I'm obsessed with this song. i, I got to stop using that word. First of all, <laughs> you should tell me what you think about it first, because I have very strong... Oh, I love it. Okay. I love it. I, I, I really love it. Um, I, I See, I associate it with... Um, it was the beginning of 94, and I'd started hanging out with a younger crowd of friends. I mean, I say younger crowd. I was 24 at the time, and I think these guys were like 20, 21. And they heard it, and they were like, oh, it's a bit dated, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I was like... But I suppose it is, compared to what she'd been doing on Erotica, it sort of took a step back uh, in terms of its production, certainly the main single mix. But as a song and that lovely synth, you know, art that's going through it, brilliant, love it. Yes, so much to say about this song. So what's interesting about your friend's uh, sort of uh, observation was that wasn't there, there was a compilation album called Something to Remember or I'll Remember. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like this song was a, a it's a genre of Madonna song that there ended up being so many of them they could fill a whole album full of them. Yeah. Um yeah. which I would almost call like songs that your mum can like. <laughs> uh and but I adore this song. Um I yeah. know I forget the gentleman's name. I know that the lead singer of Mr. Mr. Oh, it's Richard Page. It's I'm I'm just checking now on the internet. It says Madonna, Patrick Leonard and Richard Page. So he was a co-writer. Is Richard Page the lead singer of Mr. Mr.? Again, the internet is saying you are right. Oh, God, thank God. Thank God. Okay. Yeah, so you can find, if you're bored like me, uh, and you might find yourself in the middle of a pandemic like me, you could Uh YouTube uh, Richard Page doing um, a solo acoustic version of this song. And uh, yeah, he talks about how he he wrote this and submitted it. So I don't know 
what happened. I imagined it's another one of those situations where a song might have been pretty fully formed and then given to Madonna and then Patrick and, and Madonna did their thing to it gloriously. Um, uh, yeah, I love the, the keyboards, the, um, the, I've tried to recreate that actually trying to work out what that is. It's like a glocky kind of road yeah. with a delay that has like a 16th kind of delay on there that creates like an arpeggio. Yeah, it's, it is. It's quite, um, it's, it's quite David Guetta actually, um, mm. uh, but way ahead of its time. Do you know what you've, you've, I've done this to you so many times, Darren, I did not know that you have blown my mind about the whole Richard Page thing. Mm-hmm. I, that I did not know it was one of those songs. I seem to remember that Pat was doing the soundtrack for With Honours, and I assumed, therefore, that he'd gone, oh, do you know what, I'll get Madonna in. But now you've you've blown my mind because this is one of those songs that she changed a word and took a third, possibly. Yeah, probably. But you know what? I so defend that because oh, I'll yeah. tell you what, if you listen to, no offense to Richard Page, because obviously I, you know, I, <laughs> I love um some of those Mr. Mr. songs, because I yeah. I was in that period where those songs were great, and he has a beautiful voice. I think he's Canadian, which already makes him even even better. <laughs> um, but, you know, you listen to yeah. him sing it, and then you listen to Madonna's production, and it's it's there's no question. She turns it into a record. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's the vocal recording is beautiful. And then, obviously, come on, the video. Yeah, and she looks stunning, really stunning. amazing in that video. Yeah. And there was the William Orbit mix as well. I think it's the Gorilla Beach mix, which was done by William Orbit, which I don't know if you've listened to at all or recently, um, but it sounds very Ray of Light. It's pretty much the precursor for the, some of the stuff that she would do on the Ray so of Light. So you've just blown my mind because I didn't even know that existed. that out Darren I think it's the Gorilla Beach mix um by William Orbit and there's an edit as well um and it's kind of um it's kind of quite like the Pat Leonard version but as if William Orbit had done it so uh, so you know the connection with the film right so the film was directed by Alec Kashishian yeah and Alec had directed Madonna's Truth or Dare mm-hmm. and so I imagine it was part favor you know part let's just do something together but him hiring Patrick to do the the soundtrack um, obviously would have been because of their relationship and then Madonna would have ended up on that song, but it's one of my favourite Madonna ballads. Yeah, completely agree with you there. Um, Okay, on to the next song. A long, long time ago I can still remember How that music used to make me smile And I knew that if I had my chance I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while So there we have, from the next best thing, American Pie. Okay, Darren, what do you think to this cover oh, of American Pie? if we had a fart sound that I could press on the show. <laughs> Look... It's a... I can tell you. I can tell you a lot about this, this version. Please do. How did this happen? So this was Rupert Everett's uh, choice, not choice, but it was his idea because the song appears in the movie, but it's, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Um, oh, I have uh, the, seen the movie. Yeah. 
and they sing it around a um it's at a funeral and they sing it as the coffin's going down which really should have told them all they needed to know about this song uh, <laughs> um so rupert has suggested that madonna records it and she was already i think working with orbit on a, a song for it um uh, time stood still i don't know if you've ever heard that song yeah that's on the soundtrack that's a beautiful that's a really great song really, yeah it really reminds good. me of one of my other favorite madonna songs that i don't know if you'll pull out of the hat yet so if, if you don't i'll okay. mention it later but continue okay okay yeah um and so they were persuaded to do this now um uh william says that he did not listen he obviously knows the original version but didn't listen to it beforehand because he didn't want to be pulled in that direction Madonna decided the edits that she wanted to make to the song. He, uh, somebody created a MIDI file of the chords for him, and then he just took it away and sort of like went into a basement for three days and created a backing track. Three and days? He, oh, mm. maybe. Well, maybe three hours. It's, <laughs> um, he, he, um, I, it was an interview I listened to with him where he spoke about it quite recently. He said it's not as bad as he remembered. <laughs> he never listened to it on release. Um, and he had no idea that he had done so well because it was a huge UK number one. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. I, Madonna's vocal is lovely, actually. When I listened to it again the other day, her voice is very nice. There's way too much Rupert. He's he's doing the harmonies, but they're, they're louder than Madonna at some point. It's lacking in energy, isn't it? It's just... Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you some positive things about it. Um, the First of all, I love that when Madonna sings it, you don't even have to have watched the film to know there's something really sad about when she says, I saw you holding hands with him or in the gym. Yeah. And that really touches me because, um, I know what it's like to have been confused about my sexuality and hurt a girl's feelings. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I was married to a woman. Mm -hmm. And so hearing a woman say those lines, um, and it sounds as though she's singing to a man and she's seen him holding hands in the gym with someone else. I think I might be paraphrasing the song, but that's the gist of the opening lines. Mm -hmm. And obviously that fits in with the, the, the theme of the film, um, was really beautiful. And, um, yeah, her vocal is gorgeous. And the song itself is to me, yeah. it's such a, it's, it's such an emotional song anyway. It's hard to, it's hard to really mess it up. And I love the video. I thought she, you know, that yeah. kind of Courtney love whole <laughs> vibe was great America's yeah with the with the uh, the crown on yeah america's princess yeah all of that stuff was great and might was that the precursor to her kind of cowboy vibe it might have kind been. of it's kind of got a similar feel to it william orbit did say actually this was the point because they were working on the next album at the time, mm. time and he said this was the point that he felt madonna realized that he wasn't going to be producing all of her next album yeah i don't know if i don't know if mia waste was already uh i think she realized that those twangly guitars mm -hmm. the the sort of swirling synths and and huge amount of echo that wasn't where she wanted to go for her next album yeah that makes sense because i think beautiful strangers sort of mind that and by this point for me it was that criticism that i actually agree with you but that criticism you have about die another day which is like you, we've really really heard this and we all know yeah. that she gets you know she likes to completely reinvent her sound so that makes sense um but yeah just ah, it's one of those songs you should never cover so that's all it is it's not nothing to do with her or anything it's just don't don't do a cover of that song i think i th i'm not sure i agree i, I think if you are if you are going to cover it you need to do something really different like a punk rock version or something like that and not a middle of the road it sounds like a karaoke version to me it's it sounds like a karaoke version i've done 
And that's saying <laughs> something. <laughs> wow, wow. I, again, when I was listening to it, it's got quite a, a fierce drum beat to it, but it, it's really buried in the mix. And I don't know what decisions were made there, but... Um, What's yeah. fascinating to me is it was um, Richard's experience, my husband's experience of this, is that it was striped onto the music album, whereas I lived in America at the time and it was not on the music album. Did you hear it yeah. when you first heard music? Was it part of the album? It was. It was part of the LP, and I believe that Warners in the UK insisted on that because Ooh. it had been a massive hit here. It you know, gone to number one in, I think it was back in the March, so only a few months earlier, um, and there was no way they didn't want it. I remember Madonna talking about this. She she'd apparently fought against it, but her punishment was that for the song was that it was the the final track on the album. Um, but it really doesn't fit, does it? it no, nope, kind of doesn't fit. Bad decision. Probably my only criticism of Madonna ever. There you go. <laughs> wow. Okay, so on to the next one. We've I'm, I haven't chosen every song from a Madonna movie, but I've chosen a good selection, and this one is I'm going to play now. So there we have it. That was Masterpiece from Madonna's movie W.E. Now, I did an episode on this quite recently. I, I hope you've got to listen to that one, Darren. I did. Yeah, I'm. this song is beautiful. It really stands out on the MDNA album, yeah, because, again, it's that wonderful lexicon of ballad, that whole mm. language that Madonna has of this whole genre that I think, uh, and I know what your thoughts are on I know you love this song. I love it too. I think it's beautiful. I have one funny criticism of it though, and mostly it comes from that first line. Which I know is, what it's going to be. And it's just the worst written analogy. It even it, I think it's worse than anything in Alanis Morissette's Isn't It Ironic. <laughs> if you were the Mona Lisa, you'd be hanging in the Louvre. I believe the lyricist was trying to say, if you were a painting, you'd be the Mona Lisa. Yeah. And because it starts there, it's like saying, if you were Michael Jackson, you'd be the king of pop. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. Everything else about it. But it's it got works. something else. It's got something else as well. And it's to British ears and maybe to Australian as well. I don't know if you say it there. But we, me and my husband, whenever we sing it, we sing, you'd be hanging in the loo as in the lavatory. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that that works. See, that um, works. That's a good compliment. It's like, you know what? You are so, you have such a wonderful, grounded sense of self that even though you're a masterpiece you'd just be in our toilet just hanging above the bog rolls <laughs> well, it's, such, it's such a beautiful song i think the production was not orbit's finest because i think it's a bit rushed um but i think her vocal oh my god really good beautiful really good. yeah i think what you're hearing in that because i've tried to work out what it is that i don't love about the production there, there seems to be some kind of plug-in vocoder doing harmonies. Yeah, yeah, there is. Right. Um, I don't know if this was, I don't think it was a aesthetic choice. I'm sure Madonna would say that. I think it was laziness. I think Orbit came up with those harmonies and she was like, yeah, that'll do. Because that, for me, sorry, MDNA fans, but that for me is kind of the aesthetic of the MDNA album. And it was kind of rushed and I don't think she was as involved with it as she should have been. Yeah, and I think the um, you know, the reaction to that from her was then to go completely the other way. And by the yeah. time we get to um, 
uh, Madame X, you know, I, I, I'm obsessed with that record because of her involvement and, yeah. and how, vo- yeah. how focused it is. Um, but Masterpiece, the vocal is a Vita level, um, yeah. Uh, production yeah it's the um it's the line isn't it it's plain to see and, and she uses mm-hmm. that i think you call it the upper pharyngeal range that yeah she... it's a it's a blend so it's really um a wonderful technique that she learned to access her kind of uh, because women don't really have a falsetto mm-hmm. um but they have this this upper register um and it's this blend of of the muscles. I don't want to get too technical because it's super boring, but mm-hmm. basically when you sing, you have these just two tiny little folds of skin uh, that touch together. And uh, a falsetto is really just touching the very, very edges of the folds. Mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes when you're saying like a, a K or a D or a uh, like a M uh, sound, then all of the muscles are sort of engaged and working together. But those delicate sounds are actually a lot harder for women to produce than men, believe it or not. So she masters that and she she's she's sort of dipping in and out of what I would call a full voice and then a mix of like a, a female sort of upper pharyngeal um, mm-hmm. sort of version of falsetto. It's delicate, incredibly hard to do, and she masters it. You see, I again, I go back to Orbit. You get it mostly with the songs that she records with him. And I don't know why that is. It just could, could be It might be key. It might be the keys of the song. And I, I'm not musical enough to really understand this, but, but I'm sure a listener will be. It'd be fascinating yeah. to know if someone could do this work for us because I don't feel like doing it. But I wonder if, if songs like Ray of Light, I wonder if um, uh, some uh, Masterpiece, what are some others that you love that are in that range? But Rainbow High, actually, from the Evita soundtrack, she does it as well mm-hmm. in that. Um, it's funny you should say that. I've, I'm going to name drop somebody who has been in touch, and he's an artist, um, and he's known as Psychotic Beats. Um, and he's been in touch with me because he's been explaining to me um, the difference in Madonna's voice post working with Joan Lader. Um, mm. And I'm going I'm to save that for when I do the Frozen episode, which will be coming up. That's incredible. Yeah, and I, so I, my thought was maybe um, the keys that, say, are presented to her William might have either an intuitive or an actual theoretical understanding of, oh, when I put it in this key, her voice Mm -hmm. gets to do these things. Because I know that with my own voice, there are certain changes that happen as you go up a scale. Yeah. Um, And yeah, for whatever reason, those songs give her the freedom to really play up there in those notes and they suit her so well. So we're coming to the last song now. I'm going to end with the ultimate Madonna movie soundtrack song. Here it is. And you can dance for inspiration. Come on. That was, of course, Into the Groove from Desperately Seeking Susan. I mean, I I take it that's one of your favourites? It's my favourite Madonna song of all time. Of course. Uh, Just... Yeah, I mean, I, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you how much this song affected me. Yeah, I remember the the exact moment of of seeing uh, the Sire Records logo because it was really the version that I bought. I don't even know if it had a proper like photographic artwork. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember, but it was the B side to Angel. Yeah. At the time, the twelve inch. That was at that time. That was the only way you could get it. Was because uh, I don't know if Desperately Seeking Susan had an actual album soundtrack. I don't think. I it don't did. think it did. I don't think it did. So in the UK, we had it as a seven inch single. Um, but in the states and I guess Australia as well, Angel was the single, and Into the Groove was the B side. Yeah, fan- just fantastic. I mean, Stephen Bray, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that bass line. Oh my gosh. Um, just everything. The lo-fi quality of, again, it worked. The lo-fi quality of those, those vocals, the, just the, that line, you know, only when I'm dancing can I feel this free. So something's come to light since the episode which discussed this. Um, and Stephen Bray, I think it may have been on Instagram or Twitter. I, I've got a little feeling he listens to the podcast and I'm not saying that to brag, but he's occasionally said a few things in his posts when he talks about Madonna songs that kind of nods to things that we've already discussed. I Mm -hmm. don't know. So not long after the Into the Groove episode, he then wrote about Into the Groove because I think it was an anniversary, probably the 35-year anniversary. And he said how they'd only recorded it on an 8-track. And when the record company wanted to release it, they had to try and put together a 24-track version. Um, Yeah. So uh, uh, And some of it is redone and some of it is just dubbed from the uh, original eight track and including madonna's vocal um and she refused to sing it again uh, for the right reasons and, yeah. and so that's, that's why it's got that rawness to it and to oh me, my gosh yeah yeah to me it's got that kind of um wall of noise effect that you get from a lot of phil Spector tracks it's just it's at that certain frequency where particularly her vocal just cuts through everything it's just, it's like a knife going into your brain in a good way, if that's possible. That's a wonderful analogy, the Phil Spector, you know, wall of sound vibe, because yes, I didn't know that. That makes so much sense to me now, because I know that a lot of fans are aware that the version that's in the album is the quote unquote demo. Sorry. Yeah. The version that's in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds significantly different. It's in and, mono as well, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, I didn't even know that. But I know yeah. some fans, um, after your episode, had said that they always preferred the version that they heard in the film because that's how they were first introduced to it. But I, I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah. saw it from the, the music video, which was obviously the, the version that we all know and love. Um, and I much prefer it to the version that's on um, You Can Dance and the version yeah. that's on uh, the Immaculate Collection. I love Shep. That's- I do, but it's a bit too produced, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah, and I just didn't need it, but uh, it's just, oh, it epitomizes Madonna for me. I mean, that theme in her music continues, like, you know, I don't know how many years later, but by the time she says, um, in Vogue, you know, this in, in, in the lyric of Vogue, you know, I know a place where you can get away, it's called mm-hmm. a dance floor. It meant so much to me. And I don't know if that's just because I was gay or I felt bullied or I felt disenfranchised, but... Whatever that thing that really good rock and roll did for teenagers in the 50s and what really good pop music still does for teenagers today is it made me feel like there was a whole future out there for me and that they, my parents, my teachers, the kids that picked on me, whatever, they didn't get it. Madonna did. And she was telling me that. You know, there was this place, even if that place was just in my bedroom, close the door, turn the music up, escape. And that escapism, um, for me, I, I think is the reason I'm such a huge Madonna fan. She, 
her channeling, I think, of grief and turning it into something like a nirvana, something Mm -hmm. aspirational, this place you can get to, this high, this this other place where everyone is equal um, and everyone is unique and beautiful and glamorous. I mean, me as a 15-year-old pimply, chubby kid, (laughs) it was none of those things. But when I listened to Into the Groove, I felt like somebody. Yeah, yeah. I well, I think you've summed it up perfectly. It's it's an incredible song, um, and you know, Desperately Seeking Susan is a great movie, but it's the highlight of that movie of an already great movie. Um, we don't yeah. talk about how great that movie is enough. That movie is so good; yeah. it still holds up today. And again, um, she's an ensemble player. I know that she's the star, but really, she's she's a, an ensemble cast member, and she's fantastic in it. She's so beautiful in it as well. She looks. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to put this out there because we know lots of people um, are putting their hands up and wanting to play Madonna in the movie. Me and Darren have already discussed this. Darren, who is it you want to put yourself out there to play for this movie? Myself, I'll be playing Freddie Deman. I've already got a moustache. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to practice telling Madonna how great she was when she's <laughs> upset at me for putting... Willie Morris agents in the front row. I just, just tell her really, I couldn't tell cause she was just putting out and she was just incredible. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Madonna, yeah. if you're listening, I'm happy to play Freddie demand. I'm, you know, I want to be, I, I I'm thinking Pat Leonard, maybe Shep Petsburg, maybe William Orbit. I don't know. But you one look of a the, little, you look a little like Pat Leonard. I could see yeah, that. Yeah. You've got I, Pat Tear at the moment from the eighties. Honestly, <laughs> we're going to have to do this. I think we should set up a, a regular podcast, Darren. Listen, I'm such a fan. I don't, I don't really mean this. I just, um, it's been wonderful to see the response. Uh, and it's because you've really, um, you've really fulfilled the need. I think that people who, um, appreciate the artistry in Madonna, not just the songwriting, but the artistry behind her. Um, and it's, it's, you deserve every success that the podcast has had. So, um, and I just want to thank, uh, other fans and patrons because, I know a lot of people had suggested to you perhaps to do that and you were very, very uh, reticent and, and kind and you didn't you know, want, want to do that. But I was really touched by how many people just stepped up and said, you know what, yeah, let's support this show because in a really tough year, it has been such a joy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to have to get you back when we, when we celebrate a year, if, if, if I get that far. You better get um, there. And, uh, and yeah, save a space on your couch for me and my husband. Get the popcorn going and we'll look we'll after that weekend. beautiful voice, Edward. We know, <laughs> we know we've got some people in love with that. Speak soon. Ah, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. We started singing. We started singing.